you're listening to the Pomerado Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for spending time with us today. If you're a weekly listener, welcome back. If this is your first time, we're so glad you're here and hope you consider subscribing. If you're in your car, on a run, doing things around the house, or working out, and want to connect even further and take next steps with us, visit pomerado.info. Now, enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see those of you who are here with us in person. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online. Whether this is your very first time with us, whether you've been with us for years, uh, we're so grateful to be able to spend this time together this morning. We're excited for what God has for each and every one of us. I believe that each person who hears my voice, uh, whether it's live in person, live online, or watching or listening later, I believe that each person who hears my voice is someone deeply loved by God someone that has been created and shaped by God and has God has a purpose for. I believe that someone that Jesus died for, that the Holy Spirit wants to draw closer to God this morning. And so as we get ready to dive in and we get ready to continue our series, just know that you are prayed for, cared for, and loved before you showed up this morning or before you turned on your screen. Now, we are in the middle of this, or actually coming to the end of this Masterpiece in Progress series. And in this, we've been taking a look at how God has shaped us for service and what the purpose that he's created us for, looking at our spiritual gifts and our hearts and passions, our abilities, our personality, our experiences, and how all of those things come together to form and shape the masterpiece that you and I are, whether we feel like that or not. And the core verse that we've been looking at here is Ephesians 2, chapter 10. I'm going to look at the New American Standard Bible for this translation. It says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. At the very beginning of our series six weeks ago, we quoted this, and then we showed this Rick Warren quote from Purpose Driven Life. And it says this, Our English word poem comes from the Greek word translated workmanship. You are God's handcrafted work of art. You are not an assembly line product, mass-produced without thought. You are a custom-designed, one-of-a-kind, original masterpiece. So then we look at the New Living Translation that incorporates the verb, or this idea of poem, poema, and masterpiece, and it says this, for we are God's masterpiece. I was looking at it, and this word, again, poema, is only used twice in the New Testament. The first time it's talking about God's creation in Romans 1, chapter 20, and talks about how his divine qualities and his invisible nature is obvious because of all the things that he has made, and that word he has made is this word that comes from poema. So that in Romans 1, the idea is so that because of his creation, because of the works of his hand, because of the masterpiece of his creation, no one has an excuse because we could look and see his majesty and his eternal qualities. And it's that same word that talks about here in Romans, or excuse me, Ephesians 2, this masterpiece. The fact that through the work he has made, that you are a masterpiece that has been made by his hands, his handiwork. And it's not just for our own good that we have this. We've been created anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. Now, I know that when we think about masterpiece, some of you might be thinking, I don't know if I can, uh, I don't know if I agree with the idea of being a masterpiece. I don't know how I navigate that because I know I don't feel that way sometimes. We can often look at our flaws more than we can give credit to God for his goodness. And so what we want to do is if, as we have been, Uh, throughout this series, interviewing different people from our church and asking them questions about their, their shape, we also closed each one of those interviews with a question that asked, how do you feel knowing that you've been shaped 
to serve and that God sees you as his masterpiece. And so will you join me for the next few minutes as we look at how other people within our church wrestle with this idea of being a masterpiece and maybe you'll find your story alongside one of theirs. So let me pray and then we'll go ahead and watch this video together. Father, I thank you for each person that's part of our service today, whether they're live in person, live online, watching or listening later. Lord, I thank you that each person here is loved by you, formed by you, and God is a masterpiece in your eyes. Lord, we know we're not perfect, but may we lean into how you've made us, and may we see that as being handiworks of the master craftsman, Lord, that we are shaped and loved by you. So God, thank you for this time we have together. Thank you for your word. I pray that as we dive in, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every one of us, whether it's through these interviews, whether it's through your word, or just through this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's turn your attention to the screens. Oh, boy. Masterpiece is a hard word for me. I'm going to be very frank. I, you know, some people maybe are handle that. I, my sin is ever before me is kind of, and I'm, I'm grateful his, for his mercies every morning. So the concept of me being a masterpiece, I still have it mastered. <laughs> um, but I do see it. And I think that when you learn your spiritual gifts and then when you, when you really use them and you serve to serve him as opposed to just serve, you know, for your own life, um, you realize you are unique and he did put you in a place at a certain time for his purposes. Um, so I guess that does, we're in his image. So I guess he's a masterpiece. So I guess that's what I would say about being a masterpiece. We are God's workmanship. And uh, that's Ephesians 2 verse 10. And um, it's wonderful to know that God is using the very tough experiences of our lives to uh, bring himself glory and to encourage those that surround us. And I'm just grateful to be used by God in a way that I wouldn't have expected. I, it, well, it makes me feel kind of cool. <laughs> it's like a, um, like I'm just a really cool person. <laughs> I don't know the words to say, but it just makes me feel all bubbly inside and like I can do more things for you, God. So thank you for giving me all these gifts and I'm going to help you with this because this is what you designed me for so I'm gonna do it and let's go let's do this we still have a lot to go to learn from the Lord and we thank him for giving us the opportunity every single day to try to serve him so I think even though maybe we never be perfect because only Jesus is perfect but we're trying to get there one day just to be like Jesus yeah. thank you and we are supporting each other on the way the journey continue on. So, well, when I think of the masterpiece, uh, you know, I think of a couple different scriptural references. Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen: If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away, and all things have become new. And I saw that spiritual rebirth when I became a Christian, but I also saw that 
in these other people that came alongside of me just for a brief periods of time when I was in this four-year period of uh, suffering. So, and I also think of Second uh, Peter chapter 2 where uh, he talks about Christ being a living stone, uh, the chief cornerstone that the world has uh, rejected, but it also talks about us as believers being living stones, uh, that we're being built into a spiritual house with Christ as the chief cornerstone. And to me, that's the masterpiece. Just the fact that I can be a living stone, and he also says a royal priesthood in there. But for somebody that was where I was at, to be that is something that is totally spectacular to me that I could have never fathomed and is so much beyond what I can even think of now. But it's, it's the masterpiece, being a living stone, actually the spiritual house, and then being a, a, able to be a living stone in that spiritual house. These different videos have been such a blessing, and uh, Thomas has just done such a fantastic job with these videos throughout this whole series, and so we're grateful. <clears throat> we're grateful for that in the many ways that God has shaped and, and gifted Thomas to be part of our body here. And so with that said, it's just this idea of maybe you're, you're like Carol. You're like, I don't know if I can wrap my head around being a masterpiece. Yet even as she's talking it out, she's like, Okay, but I see it though. Like I see how I've been created uniquely at a specific time in order to do a specific thing. And if God is the master, if he's the master craftsman and we are a work of his hands, then by nature of that, that makes us a masterpiece. It makes us someone who is made by the works of his hands. Now, we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 1 this morning, and we're just going to look at the first 10 verses. We're really honestly going to focus the primary, uh, primarily on verse 5, because we're going to tie in this idea of Ephesians 2.10, that we are a masterpiece. We're going to look at Jeremiah 1, 1 through 10, specifically verse 5, but we're going to look through that. And then we're going to tie it back into what that means for us. And so the question that we're going to ask or, or the statement that we're going to see following along in your notes is what God says to us about being a masterpiece. When he talks about what it means to be a masterpiece, what is it that he verbalizes? What are the words that he gives us? And we're going to look at that through the story of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, as we see in the first few verses of Jeremiah 1, is someone who uh, he, was, uh, he became a prophet, but he was called by God. And he didn't necessarily feel that calling right away. He felt like that was a stretch. We'll see that throughout the passage. But there are four different things that God says specifically to Jeremiah about what it means to receive the calling of being a masterpiece. And I think God is going to be saying some of those things to us today. Maybe you'll resonate with all four. Maybe there'll be one that just latches on to you. But here are the different things that we see as we look in Jeremiah chapter 1. And the first thing that he says is, or at least the order that he says it in, is number one says, I knew you. I knew you. If you're following along in your notes, we're going to continue with our small groups. We'll be going through this. Uh, many of them will be going through this again. So follow along with your notes. Bring them to your small group. Um, and those notes are available online as well if you're joining us online. But the first one is this, I knew you. Let's look at the passage here. It starts in verse 5. It says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, we'll get to the fact that we'll talk about I formed you, but I put I knew you first because this is what it says. It's before you were created, before you were shaped, 
God knew you. He knew the days of your life. He knew the purpose for which you would be made. He knew the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, and yet he knew exactly who you were going to be. He knew when in history he was going to create you. He knew which place he was going to have you live, and he brought you here for this specific season, for such a time as this, to do what God has called you to do. He knew you, and so if you're following along as masterpieces, it's important for us to know that as masterpieces, God knows us personally. As we saw earlier, you're not just this run-of-the-mill, factory-made person. It's just each of you have a creative uniqueness to you, that God's fingerprints are different for each and every one of you that he's imprinted upon us. Ruth Haley Barton, in this book I just finished called um, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership, talks about calling, and she talks about the importance of God knowing us. She says this, Before calling has anything to do with doing, go do this or go fill that role. Before that, it has everything to do with being that essence of yourself that God knew before the foundations of the earth, that God called into being and that God alone knows, really. It is the call to be who we are and at the same time to become more than we can yet envision. It's acknowledging that God knows where you are now, knows how he's made you, and knows where he wants to take you, and knows how he wants to grow you and stretch you. And that's hard. It's hard, but we all know we need to grow. We need to be able to keep leaning into who he's made us to be. That's The growth process is very rarely a comfortable or an easy process, but the growth process is a very natural and necessary process. And so for you to think, well, God, you know, for you to recognize that God knows you and loves you. He's seen all your flaws and he knows you and loves you. He sees all the hurts and the habits and the hangups in your life and he knows you and he loves you. He sees all the temptations and the struggles and the trials and he knows you and he loves you. He knows you before you did a thing for him and he loves you before you did a thing for him because his love for us is not contingent upon our actions. He loves us because we're his. So you cannot earn God's love. It's given. It is bestowed upon you because you are known and loved by God before he even formed you in your mother's womb. You've been known and fully known and fully loved by God. He continues on in verse 5. Not just, I know you, but he says, I formed you. I formed you. This is the same idea we talked about last week with the idea of the pottery, that this same word for formed is the same word that we see when it comes to Jeremiah 18 and the idea of God being a potter. And how he shapes us and molds us and forms us just the way he wants us. Jeremiah 1.5, again, says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. We're going to revisit this verse a couple more times. But this idea of I formed you. He knows exactly what he wanted to shape you to do. He knows exactly, because he knows you first, he then knew how to create the exact person with the exact spiritual gifts and heart and abilities and personality and experiences in order to fulfill the purpose for which you have been created. Psalm 139, it's one of my favorite passages in all scripture, says this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
And I love this part in verse 14 that it would be really easy for us to skip. He says, I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And then right after that, it says, your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So if we know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by God, and we know that he makes wonderful works, then that means, friends, if we believe God's word, that means we need to recognize and take hold of the fact that you are a wonderful work. You are not a piece of garbage. You are not leftovers. You are not unwanted. You are not forgotten. You are not someone that is just scraps on the side. You are someone that God has shaped and loved, and he knows you, and he forms you, and his works are wonderful. If we know that full well, then this isn't a prideful, like, I'm wonderful, everyone look at me. It's this being able to say, if, I, if there's any part of me that is wonderful, all the glory goes to God. It's who he is, and I have the honor to be able to be an image bearer of God and an ambassador of, to Christ for this whole world. It's not a prideful puffing up. It's recognizing how love has built us up. That he's been formed, that you have been shaped for a specific purpose. Eric Ries talks about this in that book, Shape. He says, you are a work of God, and nothing but the highest and best comes from his hand. Like the artist who takes scrap metal and turns it into an amazing sculpture, God takes our lives and fashions them into a masterpiece. Now, there is a, an artist that um, I'm going to pronounce his name in the English way that I'm almost positive is incorrect. Uh, it's Diet Wiegmann. I'm sure it's like Diet Wiegmann, like very German and strong, but I don't know how to do that. So he does this thing where he takes pieces of metal and creates um, sculptures that when you shine the light on it, looks just incredible, and you cannot picture necessarily how it works. So this first picture, we'll hold on to this for a second. So go to this next first picture, and you could just see it's just this metal piece right here. You can't quite tell what it is, and this light is projecting on it. And so these are just different pieces of metal that this guy, Diet Weigman, puts together. Now let's go ahead and go to the next one. And somehow, <laughs> he's able to make it look like Mike, the shadow of Michelangelo's David. That it's through these pieces of scrap metal, these pieces that, that someone who has the vision, who is a master craftsman, can take things that we don't fully understand and shape them and move them and form them and create them into a place where it becomes a masterpiece. David, Michelangelo's David is known as a masterpiece throughout history. And yet somehow this guy was able to create it out of metal, out of light, and out of shadow. And if I may, if you were to look at your light and you are your life, excuse me, and you just looked at it from afar, maybe you just looked at it like, I don't, God, I don't know why I have this struggle and I don't know why I have this heartache and I don't know why, God, you made me go through this hard experience and I don't know why you gave me this gift when I really want that one. And we don't see the full picture. But the beauty of something like this is that it reminds us that something that does not look like it has form from the outside, when imbued and shined through the light of God, can paint a masterpiece that we would never see in our own perspective. That it is through God shining and pouring through us that what looks to us like just scrap metal, we don't get the design. When you look at it through the eyes of a loving creator and through the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you get to see how it is that he shaped you, and then it's only when you look, and you look through the hard times of the shadows, and you say, God, I never could have pictured this. 
but you've created a masterpiece in my life by shining your light through the darkness and by highlighting things that I don't even know what you're doing. But if I could step back and see it, God, I see that you formed me as a masterpiece. As we see here in your notes, as masterpiece, God has shaped us for a specific purpose. It's for a specific purpose. If you're still here this morning and you're learning about your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experiences, God has something he wants you to fulfill in this world. There is a role that only you can do. And that's not, again, to puff us up, but it's to provide purpose and meaning to our lives. That the, some of the four biggest questions that we wrestle with are questions like origin and meaning and morality and destiny. And for you to recognize that your origin is from a loving God who fearfully and wonderfully made you. And for you to realize that your life has meaning that goes beyond anything that you can do with your career or beyond anything that can do with how much money you have or the possessions you have. Or to know that you can have a purpose and a meaning that ripples throughout all of eternity by how you impact someone with the gospel of Christ. And then that how impacts other people through that person. And then that person, on and on it goes. You've been formed for such a time as this for a specific purpose. And I don't know what that is for all of you. But I do know, as Herbert Carson says this, to worship God is to realize the purpose for which God made you. It's recognizing that when you find out why you've been created by God. It's not just saying, oh, that's a good thing. It's to be able to worship God by living that purpose out. If God has given you a specific gift or a specific um, area of ministry, honoring him and worshiping him by loving him through all that you say, think, and do. It's by leaning into the difficult calling in order to say, God, I don't always like the way that my life has turned out, but Lord, what the world has meant for evil, God, you can make and intend for good. You can bring beauty out of tragedy, out of ashes. You can bring new life out of difficulty. So to Jeremiah, as he's, Jeremiah's being called to be a prophet, he says, before I formed you, I knew you. I know you personally. You've been shaped and formed for a specific purpose. The third thing he says is that I set you apart. I set you apart. In the passage, again, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. This is why I didn't put this verse on there, because you get all the fill-ins right away. Because all we're doing is just taking words from Scripture and filling it out and showing us that this, if you've been set apart, that means that God has has a specific thing he's preparing you for. That in our notes, it says this, as masterpieces, our role has been prepared for us in advance. That God knows that for whatever it is, however he's formed you and shaped you, that right now, 2023 is the year you're supposed to be alive and, and not 1023 or not 23 BC. It was, he knew that here was a time, that there was a work that you can do that was made for such a time as this. That in Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren talks about this idea that in Acts 13, he reads this quotation about, this verse about David, and talks about how David fulfilled the purpose of God in his time. In the time that David was alive, he fulfilled the purposes God had laid out for him. And that's the challenge for us. 
That's the encouragement for us, is that in our time to fulfill the promises, or the purposes, excuse me, that God has for us. You know, I think about the fact that um, it was May of 2017 when my wife and I, our family, we came down to uh, an Airbnb over in San Diego and, and North Park, and we ended up going to the zoo for a couple of days that her parents came down with us, and so it was just, a, it was a nice time, and I've shared some of this story before, but it was during that time that my uh, supervisor at my previous church said, I either want you to take my job and to do this, but if you feel like you're called to be a senior pastor, then I think now is a great time for you to pursue that. So, so he's like, if you feel like you're called to do that, then go for it. But if not, then, you know, you can have my role and you can keep staying here and you can work in this capacity. And so he said, take some time to pray about it. And so I remember driving down from uh, San Bernardino County, driving throughout my time here and just figuring out, looking, Lord, what do you want? Like, is this the place you want for me? Do you want me to be a senior pastor? I've always felt that was the call, but Lord, if I've gotten it wrong, make it clear to me now because I want to do what you want me to do. I want to be like, follow you like the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. I don't want to go anywhere. You're not leading me. And so just this idea of saying, God, what is it that you want? And so I came down and we were in San Diego and we were praying and I just remember driving back after a few days and being like, this is, Lord, I, I, I feel peace that this is what you want, that you want me to pursue being a senior pastor. That's what I thought the call was back in 2003, almost 14 years ago, and I, and I feel like that's what it is now. And unbeknownst to me that there was a church that was in San Diego County that was realizing and finding out that they were going to start the process of looking for a new senior pastor. And, and while I was in my season of figuring out, okay, God, is this what you want? And then meeting different people and getting different connections, that Pomerado Christian Church was starting that process and that there was a round of people of senior pastor candidates that didn't work out. And so in this time, it's, it's like in my life, God was doing something. Knowing that in time, thankfully, I get the honor of being the senior pastor here, but he had to do a work in me and he had to do a work in the church here until we lined up and it was recognized that our role here and, and our ability to be a part of this wonderful church was prepared in advance. That we were set apart, that it wasn't, hey, there's not this other church option, there's nothing else. And after Pastor Evan has just done and still continues to do a fantastic job serving and loving our church, it's recognizing that it wasn't about our church's timing. It wasn't even about my timing. It's about how those overlap to meet God's timing. And the fact that my calling to be senior pastor that I felt in November of 2003, I wasn't ready to do that any earlier than I was February 26, 2018. And even then, I'm still not ready. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. But recognizing that it was prepared in advance, that when we went, came down here and we were at a, uh, a wedding and in 2007, it was like, we're just like, Poway would be a cool place to live. No idea why that came out of my mouth. Until looking back someday and looking at a church option, at, um, looking at a, a search board for church jobs, and on the first page, Pomerado Christian Church, Poway, California. So I said, Steph, remember that place, Poway? Let's, let's put our name in there and see what happens. That God was preparing us in advance for here, and God was preparing you all in advance for me, so I'm sure yours took a lot more work to be prepared for me. But I'm just so blessed to see how God's timing isn't my timing, 
or your timing. His timing is the one that we could say, I knew you would be this person. And that's my story, but you have your own examples of how you see that God has set you apart and said, okay, now is the time for you to lean into this. Because you had to go through that difficult experience, now you're able to minister to people in a way that you never could. Or because you had to go through a certain uh, realization of your gifts, now you're able to implement those in a way you never knew you could. It was prepared in advance, set apart. And that's what he says to us. That there's, I know you personally, you've been formed for a purpose, and that my calling for you has been prepared in advance. The last thing that we see here is that I appointed you. I appointed you. I knew you. I know you personally. I formed you for a specific purpose. I set you apart to do works that have been prepared in advance for you, and I appointed you. We're going to do a little bit more reading in this passage. Um, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I've given you this duty. This is the specific path I want you to walk. This is what he says to Jeremiah. As masterpieces in your notes, it says this, God calls us to walk the path he has marked out for us. He calls us to walk the path he has marked out for us. Now here's where we're going to unpack the passage a little bit more because Jeremiah hears all this. Okay, Lord, I, I get it. Before you formed me, you knew me, you set me apart, but I don't like what you've appointed me to. He says this, starting in verse six. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. Let's stop there for a second. This word sovereign Lord, it's, it's the equivalent of saying, you know, Lord is in Yahweh, that the holy name of God. But sovereign Lord is the way of acknowledging him as the master, as, as acknowledging him as the one that's in charge, as Lord, as, as the one who just oversees it all. And so it's ironic to say, hey, you who I know is holy, you who I have a personal relationship through the, using the word Lord, and you who are the, the, the God who I know is trustworthy to be in charge of everything, God, you've messed up. I don't know, what, I don't know the right thing to do. It's like, I know you're in charge, but you've made the mistake with me. It's what we often do when we think, God, I know you're good, and I know you have plans, but you must have made a mistake and crossed the wires when you gave me this calling, because I'm not ready for it. I'm not good enough. I'm not whatever enough for it. And this goes back to our series, our sermon on Moses and personal ministry a few weeks ago in our Revive passage, the excuses that we come up with, but God does not allow us to excuse ourselves from the calling he has for us. He says this, I don't know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I've put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you. There's that word again over nations and kingdoms, to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. And I love this part because this last section here, he appoints Jeremiah to a path that he's marked out for him. But friends, notice that the path he's appointed him to is not a path that is easy. It's not like we receive God's purpose for our lives, and then he says, here, I want you to walk in this way, and then everything we expect to go perfectly smoothly. And then we think that when we experience trials or difficulties, we wrongly think, oh, well, then God must not have wanted me to do this, because we're so used to our comfort that we fail to recognize God as comforter in the trials. 
And we just think, oh, well, we must have gone the wrong path. Or we go up against God and say, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forgotten me? And he said, when did you ever think my path for you would be easy? Jesus doesn't say, take up your pillow and follow me because you're cozy. He says, take up the cross and follow me. And whoever denies himself. See, when we think that our path is going to be easy, it gives us false expectations. Expectations that God never agreed to. He didn't agree to have your life be perfectly smooth. Jeremiah's calling, it's to uproot and tear down. He's going to go to nations and uproot them and tear them down, to destroy and overthrow, to plant and to build. It's, there's going to be times where he's going to have to give hard messages, and he's going to face difficult um, feedback and anger and ire of those he's reaching out to. God says, that's what I've appointed you. That's the path I've called out for you. Being a prophet doesn't mean everything's easy. In fact, telling the word of God to people who don't always hear it is actually anything but easy. But Jeremiah, I formed you, and I knew you, and I set you apart for such a time as this, and I appoint you, and guess what? I will be with you. When everyone is against you, I will be with you. He gives them the same hope and the same um, promise that he gave to Moses. That what do I say when the people ask who, I, who you are, who sent me? And he says, tell them I am who I am and that the I am is with you. See, the path that we have is anything but easy. And so if you are on your path of seeing where God has you and lining up your purposes and you feel like you're di- experiencing difficulties, friends, lean into the Lord and keep walking. Don't give up. Don't turn around. Don't give up the race. Don't forget to fight the fight. Walk in the path that he's marked out for you with all of its bumps, with all of its uphills, with all of its downhills, with all of its twists and turns. Walk the path he has for you. He has appointed you. He has given you the duty to do something that no one else can do. No one else could have been the prophet to the nations that Jeremiah was. And in fact, in Jeremiah 20, later on, he talks about, God, I wish I couldn't, I wish I could stop speaking your word. But in Jeremiah 20, he says, God, if I were to keep your word inside of me, I try it, but I cannot. It's like a fire within my bones, and I cannot help but speak your word. When you have something that God has called you to, it's like a fire in your bones that could not be quenched that he has put a specific purpose in your life that mixes your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. And he's called you for such a time as this. Friends, you are masterpieces. You are made by the Most High God. The only good works come from his hand, that he has shaped you and molded you and formed you into something far more beautiful. And if you don't see it, allow his light to shine through you so that others can see how he's working. That through the pieces of metal we don't understand, there's a masterpiece on the other side of that when imbued with the light of Jesus. So let's look here at the, let's, let's circle back to the uh, Ephesians 2, verse 10. If you're following along in your notes, you're going to see the connection between what we read in Ephesians 2.10 and what Jeremiah 1 has taught us. That for we are his workmanship, it is a personal, he knows us, we are his Work, the works of his hand. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. There's that purpose again. We are created and shaped and formed 
for good works. That this word created is, is um, like I said, is, is used when it comes to the side, sorry, the, the word of workmanship talks about when it's the creation of Romans 1 and then how we are recreated in Jesus with our spiritual gifts added on to everything for good works, which God prepared beforehand, which I feel kind of like cheesy, but it's the word prepared again, so it's there and there, so that we would walk in them, so we would follow his path. Because when we look at the, some of the other translations, this last part, that he prepared for us in advance so we may do them. But the idea, the actual little Greek, is that you would walk in the way that he has made out for you. You would walk in the path that was set out for you. One of the commentaries I read says it this way. It says that essentially Paul was telling the Ephesians that God had prepared a path of good works for the believers and that he would perform these works in and through them as they lived by faith. So it's saying by us being faithful to the calling, by us being faithful to how he's formed us, and for us to be able to live out the purpose means we're walking step by step, day by day. And when we stumble, we don't give up. We get up and we keep going. We recognize that as we are walking his purpose, because we've been personally made by him, fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are known by him, that we have been set apart with a purpose, prepared in advance, we can walk the path he has for us, and that he will do a work that is far greater than anything we could think that we could ever do on our own, because we get to trust in him as our maker. Rick Warren sums it up this way when it comes to how the path we are to walk. He says, you will be most effective in your ministry when you're using your spiritual gifts and abilities in the area of your heart's desire in a way that best expresses your personality and experience. It's pulling all these things together that you will be most effective when you're walking the path, when you take all of these things into account. And throughout this series, we've been trying to give you different resources. So what are my spiritual gifts? And what areas are my heart and passions? And what are the abilities that God has given me? And what's my personality like? And what are the experiences that I've had? And how do they all come together? Uh, a couple of years ago, I think it was, I was reading um, Streams in the Desert by L.B. Coleman. I don't know if you read that, but it's a great uh, devotional. And there's a picture uh, that I want to show to you here. This is of a flower called a heart's ease, also known as a viola tricolor. That's a very common flower. It's, you know, it's not like the super bloom we're having going on right now, but just um, this beautiful color. And I want this to stay on the screen while I read the passage from uh, Streams in the Desert. And it says this. A story is told of a king who went into his garden one morning and found everything withered and dying. He asked the oak that stood near the gate what the trouble was. He found it was sick of life and determined to die because it was not tall and beautiful like the pine. The pine was all out of heart because it could not bear grapes like the vine. The vine was going to throw its life away because it could not stand erect and have as fine fruit as the peach tree. The geranium was fretting because it was not tall and fragrant like the lilac, and so on and on all through the garden. Coming to a heart's ease, he found its bright face lifted and cheery as ever. Well, heart's ease, I'm glad, amidst all this discouragement, to find one brave little flower. You do not seem to be the least disheartened, the king said. No, I am not of much account, but I thought that if you wanted an oak or a pine or a peach tree or a lilac, you would have planted one. But as I know you wanted a heart's ease, I am determined to be the best little heart's ease that I can. 
Others may do, this is the quote at the end, a little poem, others may do a greater work, but you have your part to do, and no one in all God's heritage can do it so well as you. That we could spend our whole lives wishing that our purpose or our shape was like someone else's. That this mighty oak in the story or these tall pines or this beautiful peach tree could spend their whole idea of wishing they were like something else. And then we see this small, humble flower that says, if, if you had wanted those other things, you would have planted those, but you planted me. So I want to be the best heartsease that I can. Instead of trying to compare yourself to other people, what they have or what they can do in their spiritual gifts or their heart or abilities or personality or experiences, it's saying, God, you've planted me with my shape here for such a time as this to fulfill your kingdom purpose in and through my life. So instead of looking outward and elsewhere to find my identity or my purpose, Lord, may I look to you and may I be determined to be the best me that you've created. And that's not like, like, I don't know, that's not supposed to be just like humanism, like, oh, just be your best. It's being who God made you and leaning into that is the best that you can be. It's finding out his purpose and walking that path and living that out. Not to look within and think, oh, I'm just the best if I can just do whatever I want. It's looking to God to determine your purpose. So to give an illustration to the importance of your role and my role, uh, during COVID, um, there was a season where we started doing some puzzles at our house. My dad sent uh, some different uh, Disney puzzles and Pixar puzzles. And so one of the puzzles we did was this one of The Incredibles. And so it took a long time. This one took several days. And like when you know with a puzzle, you kind of have your, you start with the corners and you go on the exterior and then you try to group um, either things by color or you start to group them by their shape and see, okay, that's what I learned from my uh, stepmom. She put all the shapes of the same ones together, and then when she found a hole that would fit, she was able to do it that way. So she was able to do that, or we were able to do this, and we really enjoyed it. And then all of a sudden, what you can't see, if we go to the next picture, is that way in the corner, there was one piece missing. And it's like you've done all this work, and there's just this one piece missing. You think, oh man, like, on the one hand, yes, I completed the puzzle, but on the other hand, I didn't. Like, I got the general idea, and based on this, it's probably just a piece that has, like, a little bit of black and a little bit of red, and it's just kind of speckled. So it's not like Mr. Incredible's face. Like, that would be a lot more difficult, but you just think, man, like, we were, we were wanting to complete the puzzle. We wanted to see it all come together, and yet when one piece is missing, the whole is the lesser for it. Max Lucado says this. He says... Da Vinci painted one Mona Lisa. Beethoven created one Fifth Symphony. And God made one version of you. You're it. You're the only you there is. And if we don't get you, we don't get you. You're the only shot we have at you. You can do something no one else can do in a fashion no one else can do it. That God has created your shape to fit in this puzzle in a way that only you can and again, that's not to puff us up. It's to give glory to God. It's not to our name, but to his name gets the glory. But it's to recognize that we could do, and if we fulfill the deeds he's called us to do and the purpose he's called us to, that people would look at our good deeds and not give us credit, but give God the glory. And so as we close this, this sermon, and as we close this series, I wanted to just show you one final picture. 
So this picture is a picture that, we t- that was taken a while ago of our church. So go ahead and put that up. And so you can see from the picture that it's got, you know, our church building. And I love it because it even shows part of the community behind us. Um, and then it just, it just shows this idea of this is where we are as a church. This is our location. He's put us in this community. He's put us in Poway, in the greater San Diego area. And he's called us to, for such a time as this. There's a reason why our church with our group of people is not in some other state or some, in some other city. That he's called us to reach the people around us, to serve the people around us, to love the people around us, to have an impact on the world starting with the people here around us. And so if you can tell, maybe you can, maybe you can't, that we also have these, um, a puzzle that's overlaid it. And so what we've done is that we took this picture and then we made it into a custom photo puzzle. And as we have this custom photo puzzle, it's 252 pieces. And what we're going to ask at the end of the service is that I have my piece here because I want to make sure that when we're looking at our whole church, that I'm playing my part, that my shape is being able to fit into the whole of what God wants to do in and through us. If you call Pomerado Christian Church your church home, we want to invite you to take one of these puzzle pieces on your way out. As a reminder to say that I know that I have a part to play. And just like the Incredibles picture, when when there's one piece missing, the, the fullness, the whole is lesser because of it. That God has brought you here. God has brought us as a church for such a time as this to fulfill our roles as his masterpiece, to lean into the calling, to know that we are personally known, that we have been formed for a purpose, that he set us apart for works he's prepared in us in advance to do in order for us to walk in the way he has for us. And so we invite you as you leave this morning to take one of these puzzle pieces with you. And then to figure out where it is that you fit in in regards to serving within our church and within our community. We have a piece of paper in the back that has a question that says, where can you serve? Where do you fit? And it shows the different aspects of your shape. We ask that if you're open to it, that you fill those out and let us know how we could come alongside you to find where it is that God has shaped you to serve within our church and within our community. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for each person who's part of our service this morning. God, I thank you for the fact that, Lord, that you've created and formed and shaped each of us just the way you wanted. That it does us no good to wish we were like someone else or doing something else or born in a different time or anything, Lord, but to lean into and to trust you as the master craftsman and to lean into you and trust that you know us best and you will form and shape us with our spiritual gifts, our hearts, our abilities, our personalities, our experiences. You shape us for the purpose for which you've made us. And so, Lord, I pray that as we close this time that we have together, this series and this service, Lord, that we would be able to be reminded that you make wonderful works. We know that full well, and we are one of those works. So God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're done. We thank you for our church, and we thank you for what you are doing and will continue to do in our church to share your gospel throughout our community. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a church where people are changed by God to change the world. 
If you want to partner with us in this way, you can start by doing these two things. The first, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you can do that by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening so you can stay connected with us and we can broaden our reach. And the second, and this might be the most important thing you do, share this message with someone you know. And as always, remember you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. See you next time.